Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio my name is bill Matz, and for the second time this week i'm your director of fun and games for the evening that's right things are happening sorta kinda almost they're about to happen maybe seattle didn't really make it all that fun for us last night but eh, you know frank saravalli's got to do what frank saravalli's got to do i guess uh i guess when the stories are that low level it's not even a leak it's like, yeah, we, we took fucking Carson Torensky, tell whoever. But <laughs> Frank did a great job yesterday. I'm not disparaging him. Yeah. It was just the whole thing was a bust. Let's just get right into it. Uh, you know, expansion draft last night, maybe a little more Ryan Ellis news. Let's, uh, let's lead it off as we always do, though, with the intros and start it off with Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. I didn't watch the expansion draft last oh, you night really because missed everything out. had already leaked. I had it on the TV for like 10 minutes and I was really confused by what they were trying to pull off. And then I was like, no, uh, uh-uh. I got to I got to go. I got to was... go. We've got a lot of Macklemore. We've got some mics <laughs> that aren't working. We've got some really bad chemistry on camera. I just, no, thank you. It was really something. I enjoyed the hell out of how cringy it was. Like I really liked it. Um, some, some of that it was great. Right. Some of it was great. Like, Marshawn Lynch was hilarious as The Marshawn always. Lynch part was, was awesome. Um, that guy's just a legend. Like, just just so good. This is the I, first pick, right? Like, because obviously he would only be doing the first pick. He's Marshawn Lynch. So good. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I watched the whole thing, obviously. Um, but I think the thing that really threw it, obviously, was the fact that, you know, Frank Saravalli and other reporters had reported all of the picks by the time the show happened, which was predictable. Like, I mean, great job, Frank Saravalli. He killed it yesterday, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it, even if he wasn't tweeting out all the picks immediately, like, everything was probably going to leak between 10 a.m. when the picks were due and 8 p.m. Like, you give reporters 10 hours to push on their sources. Stuff's going to come out. And the NHL and the ESPN, like, they had to realize that. Yet they apparently didn't with how they scheduled this whole thing. Like, the only way, there were two ways you could have done that show. The first way would have been you really somehow embargo all the picks and then present it the way they presented it, which was like, like they were not critical of any of the picks. There was no real analysis. It was just like, hey, we're going to celebrate all these guys that got taken and make it this big, like, ode to Seattle getting a team, which would have been fine if the picks would have been a surprise. But they weren't, so it just came off as super cringy. Or they could have done it where they went heavy on the analysis, and it was like, you know, like, Mark Giordano, you cool pick, 
how good is he still? Is he going to be traded? Like that would have been an interesting way to do the show, yeah. even if even if everyone knew what the picks were going to be, but they didn't do that. And because they didn't do that, the whole show ended up being a total waste of time because everybody knew what the picks were anyway. I thought they were going to kind of do it early because they were like talking about the Carey Price stuff a little bit. And then they just took like that was the only thing they talked about. They moved on from it immediately. And then it was like, and now here's Sean Kemp. Exactly. Exactly. And that's fine. But yeah, uh, we knew all the picks and none of them were um, all that interesting. Yeah, like if you, no, if you would have, it, yeah, if you would have thrown it back to like a panel, you know, whatever your every yeah. pick, you know, like okay, what do you think about this pick? Like, I don't know, Vince Dunn's a good player, but maybe they should have went with Tarasenko. Like that would have been interesting, and it would have sparked discussion. But they were clearly just interested in making this, making this like spectacle of, hey, look at all these neat players, and it's not really a spectacle when everybody knew what these players were eight hours before. Well, that and they weren't inspiring picks, True. not from. Any team, like there was nothing exciting. No, like when the biggest contra- when the biggest surprise, I guess, to me was uh, Gord over Tyler Johnson, just because Tyler Johnson's from Spokane. Like I was like everything else, I was like, okay, cool, all right. What's the next one? I guess. And like, yeah, they all leaked. I I saw most of them, but yeah, it was a uh, it was a fun presentation. But I guess just the way it all went down kind of hindered it. And of course, we just heard from. TheAthletic.com's own, Charlie O'Connor. Hey, it me. Um, so, yeah, the uh, the last 24 hours were weird in the sense that, like, <laughs> I felt really, like, I was really busy, yet very little was happening. It was just, it, it felt like it was, was one of those days where you're, like, tensing up, waiting for something big to happen, and then nothing actually happens, but by the end of the day, you're still tired because you spent the entire day tensing up, waiting for something to happen. Steph, I don't. You didn't do the trade deadline stuff with us, but you came to the uh, the Flyers game that night with the in the Sons of Penn days. We all went to Dave's basement and we got all like pumped up to cover the trade deadline. It was like our first time being serious, like we're gonna cover this, and then absolutely nothing happened, both with the Flyers or around the league. So we just got fucking hammered. Like, that's what yesterday felt like. Like, all right, stuff's gonna... Oh, no, stuff isn't Stuff isn't <laughs> happening. And that kind of gets to my point. How do... How does every draft pick leak, like, eight hours ahead of time, but none of the trades have? Well, because like, there were no trades. I mean, there were no trades. Nothing, nothing happened. Nothing, nothing happened. <laughs> there were no, there were no, uh, like, there were side deals. Like, they're going to be the middleman. There were no, okay, we'll give you this if you take this player instead of this player. But there are reports, like, at 1 o'clock, we're going to hear about Seattle doing some things. It doesn't think they, like, it doesn't seem like they did that much in that way either. Like, it sounds like they traded Tyler Pitlick, not to the Flyers. It seems like he's going to Calgary. Ah! But... Like, Ron Francis flat out said last night, like, there's going to be fewer trades announced at 1 p.m. than you think. So, I don't think there... I just don't think he did anything. So, I think... Like, he, which they, is baffling. Like, what are you... What... Does he not know that he's allowed to spend money? Like, or, is he... Or... Dougie Hamilton's a free agent. There's a good list of free agents. Maybe he was just, like, punting on all this. You're only... The only unprotected players are guys you don't want. So what if I just go spend my money on players that someone would want free agents? 
So here's the thing, right? I I get that, but you can spend above the salary floor and still get free agents. Like they're just at the the bottom of the salary cap. Yeah, they're at like fifty some, I think. Yeah, something like that. Which 56? like no, even even less, I think. Fifty two. Yeah, I think I think it's like just at fifty or like forty nine. I mean, they'll oh. they'll go up a little bit because there's some UFAs that they yeah, I yeah. think like they haven't signed back Vince Dunn yet, but they're gonna sign him, so it'll go up a bit. But yeah, they're Steph's right. They're like right above the floor, which is wild. Like I I understand that you're building a team from scratch, both the NHL team and the AHL team. However. You have all of this money. Spend it. And, like, they still very well could. Or like, make is... trades. Like, I, I just don't know what he was doing. They have, they do now have the benefit of an entire, it's not like their offseason ends yesterday and everyone else participates in an offseason without them. They are an NHL team now. Like, they can make moves all throughout this offseason. But I will say, like, with the formatting of the show, it seems like, they were depending on there being a little more drama. Like, maybe, okay, the picks leak, but we're going to have all these deals and we can talk about them, too. Ah, fuck, there are no deals. So, um, we're going to... Sorry, ESPN, this is the NHL. We're going to need these guys who don't know any of the players' names to really vamp here. (laughs) I just... My big thing with, like, my big issue with the way that, that Francis played it is that because I understand the argument where like you want to keep yourself, you know, ha- keep yourself having cap flexibility. You know, maybe they think they can sign a Dougie or something like that. That's fair. But what I reading between the lines, it sounds like what happened was basically Francis was talking with teams, you know, to potentially take on players, you know, and and he was obviously going to extract a cost for that, you know. We'll take James Van Reems like if you give us a second round pick. You know, we'll take Ryan Johansson if you give us a first round pick and a prospect. And what I'm what what seems like happened was that everyone kind of was like all the other GMs were kind of like, okay, the costs that Francis is 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 putting out there. This was like last week. Like they're way too high, but they're gonna come down as we get closer to the day of the expansion. Like he's gonna like lower his demands so they're not exorbitant and he just never did so like all these teams kind of thought like well yeah he might be he might be asking for a first like we'll do a third you know or something like that and Francis just never caved which like in a sense I mean I guess it's admirable it just seems stupid like like one of the ways that you that 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 Vegas got like Vegas got good be, got good so early because they got lucky. Like that was a big part of it, without a doubt. But one of the ways that they were able to take a team that overachieved, and then within a year or two turn it into a team that on paper was actually loaded, was because they had acquired all these draft picks in the expansion draft, which they then used to go out and trade for guys like Mark Stone, yeah. you know, trade for guys like Max Pacioretty, and actually make their team good, not just like a miracle team like it was the first year. They, uh, Seattle has none of that. Like, they're trying to go that route, but they don't have any of the assets that Vegas picked up in the draft. And like, yes, 
there probably weren't teams this time willing to give up first-round picks. But, like, you get a lot of seconds and thirds. They can be useful, too. And it just seemed like Francis just kind of was like, look, this is what I'm asking for, and, and if, it's my line in the sand, and I'm not going to cross it. And they're like, yeah, you're not, yeah, you're saying that. But he actually wasn't willing to cross it, which, again, I guess it's admirable and that he wasn't lying. I just don't think it was that smart. Uh Based on the roster, I mean, they yeah, put and together. I think that that's going to impact. I think that's going to impact some of the later moves that they may have wanted to make in the off season. Like, okay, you just screwed over all of these GMs by not negotiating with them. Why would they want to trade with you now? Here's why: because and maybe this is like just going to be a disaster, and this team's as bad as we think it it looks on paper right now, but. Like, the Flyers still have these salaries they need to dump if they want to improve their team. And Seattle still has all this fucking cap space. Like, mm. that's not going to change in in the near future. Like, who else can take Jake Voracek? Who? Yeah. Like, the Rangers? Yeah. Why the fuck would they want him? Like, who, I mean, who there, could, there's, there's other teams that they can do. Yeah, who I, I, want I, him? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Bill in that... Like, I do think the idea that all the GMs are pissed at Ron Francis, I think that's overblown. Like, I don't—Ron Francis is a pretty well-liked guy in, in, in the industry. Like, I don't think anybody's going to be mad at Ron Francis beyond, like, damn, I wish he would have taken our high-priced guy and instead he took our shitty AHLer. Yeah, but, like, it, I don't think there's—I I don't think there's any bitterness. I just don't—I just think Francis overplayed his hand a bit. That, that, that's my thing. Yeah, and it could, it could circle back and it could all work out, or— you know, like the rumors of the three-team deal for the Tarasenko and all that with the Flyers, like the Flyers still free to just negotiate a trade with the St. Louis Blues without you know Seattle involved, sure. and Seattle gets nothing out of the out of it. And 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 they could they could theoretically get themselves involved in a deal like that, or you know any type of deal similar to that if they want to. Like for example, they could, and this has been done before by other teams in in rebuilds. You know, they are the third team in the deal yeah. that basically just like they take Tarasenko just to retain, retain. a million yeah. and a half a salary and then ship him to Philly and basically extract a tax along the way for retaining that salary that they can do because they have $40 million worth of cap space. So, like, they absolutely can still get creative. And I don't think the way the expansion draft plays out is going to prevent teams from wanting to negotiate those types of deals with Seattle. It's just that. There was an opportunity here, I think, to extract more assets from teams, and instead, Francis just continued to drive a hard bargain and got nothing. Can we just real quick, because I just remembered uh, Gary Bettman to kick off, you know, ESPN's <laughs> coverage of the expansion draft, huge day, Seattle, you know, Jerry Bruckheimer, all this shit, um, climate change arena, <laughs> like, and, climate uh, change arena i yeah, still which, think they miss they miss such an opportunity to call it like like the seattle and then throw a brand name on there and then call it the sound garden i think that would have been brilliant <laughs> like i don't know if they could make that work like from a trademark standpoint but it would have been a nice little nod to uh you know to cornell you know obviously because r.i.p uh, and also just like the sound garden would have been an awesome name for an arena like come on what a listen role. Stop. I have a whole new brand that might be taking that name. Stop okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and head coach Dave Hextall. I really... 
Oh, that yeah, they did say too. Hextall. Well, oh. I mean, like, Flyers fans can't be mad at that one because for the first, like, three months that Dave Hextall was hired, everybody just called him Dave Hextall. So. He's the commissioner, and Ron Hextall also fair. isn't in that organization. I guess like, that's fair. It's a little different. <laughs> I just, like, the whole thing... I enjoyed the hour or whatever it was on last night, but the whole thing was a goddamn shit show. Um, a fun shit show. Like, a shit show is often fun, but uh, it was, you know. Between the players picked, none of them big. Like, who was the biggest name picked last night? G- Giordano. Gior- Giordano. G- and like, I mean, Giordano, a- he, 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 he won a Norris. He's a big name. No, he's a good player. Yeah, but he's like, does you he, know, like, does he rotting in Calgary. I mean, to hockey fans, probably not to casuals. Like, not in the way that, like, a Carey Price or a P.K. Subban yeah. like, would have registered. But, I mean, he's – yeah, like, I guess they're big names. So, they're – they're. I mean, Giordano, he strikes me as the obvious choice to be captain. Yeah. Um, Jordan Eberle is a decently big name. Eberle. know him. Yeah. yeah. Beyond those two, um, I mean, who else did they take? I mean, Yanni well, Gord, you know, they y- take Yanni this Gord's guy. good, but, yeah. like, I don't think he's a big name. Yanni Gord is a known, known guy because he's from Philadelphia. Like, oh yeah, super well-known guy from Philadelphia, Carson Torensky. Carson Torensky, no. who didn't even get a video montage. That was great. I thought they were going to dig up something. Like but, he did score. He scored a goal. Maybe he scored. You, you get a couple hits in there. I don't know. He had. They were had days. Like Jesus. You know, like even even if the producers didn't know the picks, like aren't they on Twitter? Frank Saravalli had it at fucking eleven a.m. They had all day. Like, Just find one video of him scoring one yeah, goal. Like, like do goal. something for the guy. <laughs> all right, that's. I want to get to – we'll get to Torensky and the Flyers situation okay. specifically, but just on Seattle as a whole, in how many situations – so 32 teams in the league, Vegas didn't participate, so they made 30 selections. How many of those were the best player available? And I realize – like, you can't take every high-priced guy. There is a salary cap. Yeah, like, okay, sure. Nobody wants P.K. Subban. I get it. He makes way too much money, and he stinks now. But how many of their selections were the best player available? Um, A couple? I mean, there were, like, I, I think I would say there probably were, like, ten, maybe, who I could, really? I could look at. Or I could look at and I'd be like, yeah, they might have been the best guy. I mean, cause, okay, let, let's, like, so Jamie Alexiak, probably. Dallas yeah. had nobody available. And mm-hmm. they, I mean, Mark Giordano, I think so. You know, he's yeah. still good. He's a name. Um, I mean, definitely, like, the, here's the thing with, with St. Louis's pick. Like, like Vladimir Tarasenko, if he's healthy, is the better player. But, like, add in the risk, and Vince Dunn was a pretty logical choice. You I'm know, he's counting. A, he's, a, he's a good player. I'm counting Vince Dunn as one of the best available selections yeah. they made. Just, okay, let's say you don't, you're don't. you an expansion team. You don't want to pay a guy with a bum shoulder. All right, yeah, fine. Exactly. Like, Everly, I'm, ca- I'm actually counting him. Yeah. Like, as one Everly, of So there now we got four. Yanni Gord, I would say, probably. I think he's better than Tyler Johnson. Um and then you get some some guys who are like in the middle. You know, like Brandon Tanev, is he better than Zach Aston Reese? Maybe. So that's like you can make the case. So that there there's him, you know. I prefer Dylan DeMello to Mason Appleton with Winnipeg, but I think I think Mason Appleton's pretty good. So, like, I could see it, especially if you feel like you've got your defense set up. Um, 
Adam Larson, good player. You know, was he the best Fine. guy on it? So, like, yeah, yeah, I would say, like, about 10 in that range, but there were a lot that they didn't. <laughs> a lot that they didn't. Yeah, that like, again, that's a third. That means two-thirds of their picks were not best player available. <laughs> like, that's... Uh, I'm just... I'm, I'm blown away by it, and I am just baffled. With the yeah. amount of cap space that they have, that they went with Carson fucking Terensky. Uh, yeah, yeah. He might end up being a nice fourth liner in this league. Maybe you can even play him on a third line. But, like, Ah, You're really really stretching it here. (laughs) Exactly! So, here's the thing, right? So, if you're Seattle, you don't want to take Voracek and JVR because of the cap hit. And for other reasons around not being able to build a team from scratch successfully. Um, Fine. But if you look at all of the available players that Philadelphia has, how does Carson Porensky make the top of that list? Yeah, that was that was wild. You know, and and I I agree with you, Steph, in that like I get it. If you're just, I mean, I, I disagree, especially from JVR standpoint. I think JVR would have been a logical choice. You know, I think it not, would have been a great choice. Yeah, if you're not doing the sweetener. But like, I get it that okay, you want cap flexibility. You're not taking Voracek. You're not taking. Um, you're not taking JVR. Ghost. You know, the thing with Ghost was that if you're taking Vince Dunn, I don't know if you yeah. take Ghost too because they're kind of redundant stylistically. So I get that too. So okay, you rule those three guys out. Fine. Even if you're going to go the prospect route, like the we're just going to take an AHLer, I would have rather had Connor Bunneman and Ger- and German Rubsoff over Charles Dorinsky. Bunneman because he's better. Like, he's just a better player than Charles yeah. Dorinsky. And Rubsoff because, like, look, he might stink, but at least there's the upside that he could be a third liner if you figure him out. Like, you're taking a flyer, but whatever. Like, Charles Dorinsky, if he hits— if he pans out, I don't think he's anything more than a decent fourth line left wing. Like I think that's his absolute ceiling. And I don't I'm not a big Carson Dorinsky fan. Like I don't think he's gonna get there. I could be wrong. And I mean I'm not the end all be all of prospect analysis, but I'm never I've never been particularly sold on him as a prospect. And if you're just going by what they've done, like Connor Bunneman has been a better player than Carson Dorinsky in the NHL. So if you're going this route, like I don't know why you would even if you're doing this particular process, I don't know why Terensky is the guy that you take using that process. That was the the low-key weird thing for me about the pick. I'm just kind of happy that I don't have to differentiate between Carson Terensky and Tanner Lazinski anymore. So, <laughs> okay, 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 so funny, funny story about that. So... Um, and I got, I, I like, I, I'm, I'm not throwing my editor under the bus here. Like I have a good relationship with him. He's a good guy, but I wrote up a draft article and I wrote this draft article, like draft preview for Friday. I wrote this up literally like Tuesday night and then Wednesday morning. I basically had it done. The only thing I didn't write up was the intro because I wanted the intro to reflect what happened yesterday. So I finished it up at like, you know, 10 PM. And I submit it to my editor. And one of the things in the piece talks about the Flyers don't have the greatest center depth. And I note that 
Tanner Lazinski, you know, he's a possibility as like a, maybe a fourth line center, but he also might be a wing. So I just threw him in there. Well, I wake up this morning at 8 a.m. to three comments on my article saying, how how could you possibly have mixed up Tanner Lazinski and Carson Twerinski? So I look at the piece and my editor saw Tanner Lazinski thought it was Carson Twerinsky and then then shift like switched my my sentence basically to <laughs> Carson Tur- like Tanner Lazinski is gone now too and my commenters lost their minds and I'm like I didn't write that I definitely wrote Tanner oh, Lazinski no. because I'm much higher on Tanner Lazinski than I am on Carson Twerinsky to and be then fair, I, I I shot a DM to my editor and he's like yeah I messed that up I'll fix it don't worry <laughs> to be fair Carson with an E Twerinsky and Tanner Lazinski are the exact same name. That's the same thing. It's the, the same, same person. Name. I mean, back like back in the first, the first expand, not expansion, the first uh, development camp I covered with both those guys in, and I definitely mixed the two of them up, like in my notes without a doubt. But then I started watching. I started actually watching Tanner Lazinski play, and I'm like. I think this guy has NHL potential. And then I watched Carson Terensky play, and I'm like, I don't think this guy has NHL potential. <laughs> so then it became very easy for me to distinguish between the two. I meant to say, Charlie, when you were talking about Vince Dunn and Ghost and the uh, redundancy of, of, their st- of their stylistic play, look at the forwards. Every <laughs> They drafted a whole team of <laughs> That's forwards a good point. that do the exact same thing. I, there's a chance that they're like... Um, I don't even the Islanders have some skill that like are they is their plan to like be the Islanders like that's what it looks like to me well one thing that I I laughed about I believe Bill I think it was you on our post Dave Hackstall getting hired (laughs) show was like well maybe he could be good you just can't give him any bad players well Instead of not instead of doing that, Seattle just went and got him a roster of bad players. There are no wrong decisions because they're all bad. Like, like the like in all honesty, the forward core. I don't I don't think that like Dave Haxel was picking and choosing his roster. I think it was primarily Francis and you know everybody they have in the front office. That said, that forward core like that is a Dave Haxel forward. Unbelievable. Core. It is Those a, are all guys he no, loves. I think I think he had carte blanche to choose every <laughs> Like uh, Vince Dunn is the only guy he didn't choose, as far as I'm concerned. Like uh, the, the shit, uh, I'm I'm blown away by what happened. Now listen, they could get lucky. There's going to be guys who break out that we don't expect to break out, and there was sure, sure. tons of uh, you know tons of criticism of Vegas's roster when it all went down. We all know how that went. So uh, I'm not ruling out the possibility that there's something we don't see here, but, like, shit, I really don't see it. <laughs> that's that's Yeah, I mean, they. Like, I guess they have some intriguing, like, you know, one guy who, when they took him, I was like, if they have, a, if they got a March or so, it's him, and it's Colin Blackwell. Like, he, if, if they, if they got, like, a March or so type where, He's better than we all think. It's probably him because he's kind of got that same vibe of, like, he's bounced around, but he's been good pretty much everywhere. And then people say, well, it's just because he was on good lines. Maybe he's more than what we think. He's intriguing to me. Um, Yanni Gord, I think, is a great player. Yeah. You know, I don't know Mm -hmm. if he's a first-line center, but I think he's a great player. I think he's going to be very good for them. 
Um, He's a first-line center now. Well, yeah. On this team, yeah. Well, although he apparently is getting surgery, he's going to miss the beginning of the year. So, um, so yeah, that's I a thing. About that. But yeah, I mean, I don't. They just, you know, one of the big things they didn't do that um, that Vegas did, because if you go back and you look at Vegas's roster that they took an expansion, in all honesty, they it's not like that different of an approach. On the whole, the two main differences that I saw were, number one, there there weren't any, like, ridiculous trades. You know, they didn't get March or so and Riley Smith in the same deal. They didn't get Eric Howell and Alex Tuck in the same deal. You know, so those trades were missing, so they didn't get that added boost. And then Vegas did take, they did take flyers on veteran guys who are more middle of the line on types. Like they did get James Neal. You know, they did get David Perron. Like they got guys where you could look at it and you could say, okay, they could be top sixers. Vegas or Seattle really didn't. They got Eberly. And that was pretty much it. Like like JVR struck me as the logical James Neal pick. You know, okay, let's get a goal scorer. He's a, he's a role player, but he's a damn good role player. Let's get him. And they just didn't make those picks in the way that that Vegas did. And then also, they didn't take the big-name goalie, you know, because Vegas obviously took Flurry. Seattle had the opportunity to take Carey Price. I'm not saying it was the right move to take Carey Price. If I were Seattle, I wouldn't have taken him. But, like, that's the move that Vegas made. Vegas was – because if you remember, I mean, when when Vegas took Flurry, that was not a slam dunk. No. Flurry, Flurry had lost his job to Matt Murray. He was on a big contract. He was old. Like, there was every reason to believe that Marc-Andre Fleury was done as an elite goalie, and then he just rebounded and had an awesome year for Vegas. So, like, they took the plunge on that guy. Seattle didn't take the plunge on that guy despite having the opportunity to get a comparable form of that guy. I want to ask, uh, where do the Flyers go now? Because they have things to move with the roster freeze uh, we're recording this. It's like twelve fifteen p.m. So we got forty five minutes before we find out about that. Uh, so the episode will be done before we find out about any trades that are happening or already happened and are just waiting to be processed. But is the only GM that really screwed this up, Ron Hextall? Ooh, um, <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who would argue that Dubas screwed it up too. I Although, guess, but, like, I'm, he made a trade. I, I, I'm not sure I really buy that. Dubas traded a seventh-round pick and a prospect to protect his roster as is. Ron Hextall got rid of a guy and then ended up losing two guys. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say about Hexy in this draft is that, I mean, I think McCann's a good player, and I think, you know, they should have probably found the way to, to protect him. That said, I mean, while Tanev is a good player— his contract isn't great. I think he I think he helps them. So it's a weird sort of dynamic where, you know, losing Tanev, like, I think they're better off losing Tanev than they would have been losing, like, Zach Aston Reese, even though I think Tanev is probably a little bit better. Like, Tanev's contract, being able to move that, because Pittsburgh right now is in real cap trouble, and losing Tanev does help them a bit. Now, granted, they still have to replace Tanev, which they might go out and sign somebody who, you know, isn't, as good as Tanev for almost as much money. And then we're like, what are you doing, Ron? But can only hope. 
I'm not going to say that like Ron totally screwed up the draft because losing Tanev isn't the worst thing for that team. No, I'm not like nobody did like like you said nobody pulled uh, nobody pulled a Florida nobody pulled a Minnesota even Columbus you know they got lucky uh, that William Carlson turned out the way he did Vegas but like I don't think he needed to give them a draft pick you know <laughs> like yeah, yeah like yeah, one, that stings thing, in hindsight nobody did I any heard. of that shit. One thing I heard on Twitter, which was interesting, and I, I can't confirm this because I was not watching the show. Apparently on one of the pre-shows, this was some somebody tweeted at me, and this was a interesting little tidbit, um, that apparently George McPhee was on one of the pre-shows, I think on like the NHL Network pre-show, and he said that, like, and obviously you're going to spin this because, you know, you picked William Carlson, and William Carlson turned into, you know, a top six center out of the goddamn blue. He spun it as he was kind of one of our wild cards that we like. We liked his upside. We didn't know what he was going to be, but we liked him, so we took him. He said that one of the people that had had recommended William Carlson to him as, like, endorsing that he might have upside was Bob Clark. And, like, Bob, if you were doing that, why didn't you tell the Flyers? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong team, buddy. God damn it, Bobby. Like, what? what? God damn it. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, we get, we couldn't have used him. Exactly. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, God, I would have loved a William Carlson. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, Jesus, that pisses me off. I wish you didn't tell me that. <laughs> I was going to say pre-show. I had ESPN2 on, and there's fucking skateboarding. But at NHL well, yeah, we got, I don't get We that. got to watch Tony Hawk, and then we yeah. got to watch a 10-year-old do a 1080. That was pretty cool. That was wild. I was I saw a little child, and then I saw Tony Hawk, and I was like, what is going on? I was very confused. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so what do the Flyers do now? Like, they still have Shane Gostas Bear. I don't know why I put the emphasis on Shane. Shane. Um, Shane. Uh, they still have Jake Voracek. They still have James Van Riemsdyk. What do they do now? I mean, they have to do what the off-season plan always was, and that's clear up cap space. They need to they need to clear out some of those contracts, at least one of those contracts, and get the cap space so that they have some flexibility to bring in, whether it's another defenseman or a scorer. Oh, they definitely need a backup goalie. Like they, they've got needs, um, and they need they need the cap space. So I, I think that I would be very surprised if Jake Voracek is still on the roster on opening night. It's just gotten to the point where there's been so much speculation. I'm not going to say it's like a toxic situation, but there's just been so much speculation. It seems hard to bring him back at this point. I but they've also they've also I mean, openly shopped Gostas Bear for two years, and here that he is very is, true. So that is very true. Yeah, like and Gostas Bear, you know, plays with a chip on his shoulder anyway. So let him go ahead and, and carry that through to the yeah, next what's, season. But what's I Jake going to be more be surly? Vorjek's just a grumpy old man. Yeah. So let him continue to be a grumpy old man. Like oh, Jake. That's yeah, fine. Jake. Jake coming back from you know an off season where he was very clearly in trade rumors and hitting the media for the first time that would be fun i would i would personally enjoy that a lot and you guys are gonna be in person probably yeah, next probably. season yeah, we'll so see. that's just gonna be just that little bit extra chef's kiss yeah that'll be a thing um yeah i mean this is just tough because 
it just it does feel like a missed opportunity on the part of you know for the Flyers to clear space because yeah. the expansion draft was there and you know losing Carson Tarinsky in a vacuum is a great outcome for the Flyers because what value is he going to provide? Very little. And you know you look at the guys they could have taken. I mean, look, we can talk about how you know they need to clear space that Voracek is overpaid, that JVR maybe doesn't fit super well, and you know he might be overpaid and Ghost whatever. But like they're all good hockey players. No value it's like, wise, it's not like they're wise, bad. They killed it. Like, yeah, they is... are good. So value wise, I mean, you lose Carson Dwyer. You didn't even lose like a Justin Braun who. Yeah. Would have, in my mind, been a more logical choice if you're going the bargain route. But I guess they figured, well, we've got enough defensive defensemen. We don't need him. Um, so they lose a guy who wasn't going to really provide any value next year. So in a vacuum, it's good. The problem is, is that, like, I, and I broke this down in my piece. It's not even a case of they need to clear cap space if they want to make moves, which they do. I mean, if they want, if they want to make moves, they obviously have to move out of contract or two. But even if they just want to fill out this roster they need to move at least like a ghost because if you break it down and I I did articles like projecting what Carter Hart and Travis Sanheim's contracts might look like as they're both restricted free agents. Like I think, I think Hart will get probably around three mil and I think Sanheim will get probably in like the four and a half to five mil range on a cap hit. If you plug those in, they really don't have the space to fill out a 23 man roster if they keep everybody. And that's, like, the only way they could really do it is if they sign a backup goalie for, like, league minimum and then have one extra skater. Oh, and that's that seems pretty like much... a good idea, to cheat yeah, out like a backup goalie again. Yeah, like, that's not going to work. So they need to move somebody, even if they just want to have, like, a viable roster by doing nothing else this offseason except re-signing their players. So, like, there's got to be a move coming. Now they just don't have the option of hoping that, like, Seattle's just taking one guy off their hands for nothing, and then that's easy. It's going to be harder, but I still think it's doable. You know, it, it seems like they're motivated to trade Voracek, as, as Steph hinted. Now, whether it happens, we'll see, but it seems like that is, you know, m- the vibe I get, the people I've talked to, it seems like that's their top choice. You know, their top, if, if all things considered, if they're going to move one guy out to clear space, they they prefer it to be Voracek. We'll see if they can pull it off. That it's going to be difficult because he's going to be 32 in August. He's got an 8.25 million dollar cap hit. You know the analytics haven't been great with him recently, so it'll be it'll be difficult. You know, but I think it's it's theoretically doable. They just might have to get creative. Ghost, what I've heard with Ghost was that if they really wanted to trade him last off season, if they really really wanted to, just wanted to, they dump. could. They could have. Yeah. It was just they would have had to attach a good prospect or a high pick and, like, potentially, like, a first-round pick. And that was coming off of the worst season ever for him. Now he's got one year less on his contract. He's coming off a good year. And there's more cap space in the mix because you just dumped $81.5 million worth of cap in the league in the form of the Seattle Kraken. So... My view of Ghost is, like, I still think you might have to pay a team to take him, but I think there are teams that would take him. So, like, I don't think it's impossible. I don't I don't look at Ghost as an unmovable player. Then you look at JVR, and, like, yeah, it would have been easy if Seattle would have taken JVR. It would have been uncomplicated. But, like, I think JVR still has value around yeah, the league. He has to. Like, like I'm not in and the sense he just that- had one of the best seasons of his career. Yeah. Like, again, like, I think you might have to get In creative. a season but, that everyone was shit. Yeah. 
Like, I think you might have to get creative with JVR. Like, I don't think, I think if you trade JVR, it's not like you're trading JVR for a third round pick. Like, you, if you trade JVR, it might be like JVR for a player who has a cheaper cap hit. But, like, I think he's movable, and I think he has value. So, to me, like, it stinks that Seattle didn't bail the Flyers out of their cap flexibility issues, but I don't think this is an insurmountable wall for Chuck Fletcher to clear in terms of moving one or more of those guys. Yeah, and I think that it was also a little pie in the sky to expect Seattle to bail the Flyers out. Like, yeah, it would have been great had they accepted any side deals like, here's our first round pick. Please take $8 million off our cap. But they didn't. Um, but the good news is that the Flyers still have that first round pick. They have that first round pick and they have Ryan Ellis. So, like, really, at the end of the week, it's a win win. I want to touch on Ellis in just a second, but uh, like, it was, I know, I got I, ahead of myself. I'm no, too no, no. excited. It's, it's good. You, what you brought up, it was pie in the sky, but like, this is where I'll credit Chuck Fletcher again. And now he's got to get creative and he's got to make some things happen. But it's not like he didn't do everything in his power to set up a situation to force the hand of Seattle to take at least four and a half million, if not 8.2 million off of the Flyers books. They chose to take an unimpactful player over taking the money. And you know what? If that's going to happen, that's what's going to happen. How goddamn funny is it? In two, like, value-wise, again, in two expansion drafts in, what, four years, they've lost Pierre-Edouard Belmar and Carson Taransky. Like, listen, Belmar's a nice player, but just based on value, you couldn't draw it up any better. (laughs) Like, if that's all you lose... You know, if yeah. this if this organization was better off, this these would have been rousing successes. Remember, and I know that you both do, uh, for the past two years, people have been very worked up about the Seattle expansion draft. Oh my god. I'm so glad like I'm so glad personally I didn't put the mental effort into it. Like everyone well, Seattle too. and I was like, it's like three years away, leave me alone. Uh, and then finally, and then it happened, and then they take Carson Terensky. Like, this is what we've been worked up about for two years. This is it. Like, they took uh, they took a guy who I confused with another guy, and the other guy is, like, maybe, <laughs> and the other guy is just maybe okay, and he's actually probably not even any good at all. Like, this is what we've been worked up about for two years. That's why I didn't want to get into it. Like, because That's last time the they took for fucking me. Belmar. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's the same for me. And every time someone would bring it up, I'd be like, listen, it's not happening yet. I'll worry about it when it happens. I'll worry about the protection list when it happens. And the Flyers were absolutely helped by trading out Nolan Patrick and Phil Myers. But even then, who I can't even remember who people were so worried about protecting. Uh, who knows? I don't Phil think, Myers. I, I mean... So, no one really this time. I mean, this time, I think the main focus of fans No, I mean, was, like, two years ago, oh, looking into this draft. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, I don't... Phil I mean, probably, probably Ghost, I would think. It was like, well, we might lose Ghost, and then it was, well, maybe we should lose Ghost, and, well, maybe we shouldn't lose Ghost. So, you know, everything is very back and forth with people's opinion of Shane Goss, depending on the year. Um, so, he was probably one... I'm trying to think if there was anybody else that people were really. I mean, concerned Bill's about. right. Phil Myers. People were really worried about losing Phil Myers. Well, yeah, but like, there was they were they were never going to lose him because they were never going to yeah. protect Ghost over him. 
Well, it was just like, well, by then we're going to have, like, good defensemen, and then the, whoever it was, like, someone was going to be an odd man out. And I then- think I think the, the main concern that was expressed, and this is probably where you're thinking of Myers, was the idea that if the Flyers last offseason had went out and traded for a defenseman, yeah. then the Flyers might lose a Phil Myers because it was like you're not going to protect. It was Then it became like either you protect three defensemen and you expose Myers who would be taken, or you protect four and then you lose one of Lindblom or Patrick because you're gonna your four forwards were going to be Giroux, Hayes, Couturier, and Konechny, so you're probably losing one of you know Lindblom, Patrick, or Lawton, I guess. Um, so that was the main concern. But like the whole thing that everyone knew was that if the, if the Flyers didn't make any moves last off season, they were in pretty good shape at seven three one. You know, there was no yeah. one really that was that was scary they were going to lose. And I mean, that's sort of how it played out. Like in retrospect, I mean, them protecting Nick Ovi Kubel makes a lot more sense now because I yeah. mean. Maybe, <laughs> like, maybe, maybe they still would have been stupid and taken Torinsky over him. But I can't imagine if Albie Kubel's out there, they don't take Albie Kubel instead of Torinsky. Like, that just seems like such a no-brainer. Yeah, I completely agree. Even though, it, there was there some complicated history between him and Hack? I think, I mean, I don't think it would have mattered. He's a better player now. The the, the complicated history was that Hextall called up Albie Kubel for his first call-up. Hack played him, like, six minutes a night and, and, a night, and then... Hextall was like, well, if you're not going to play him, I guess I'm going to send them back down. But, yeah, I mean, he's okay. a better player yeah, now but, than he was and, then. And this I mean, is the, the coach. Hextall story, yeah. Yes, This exactly. is the coach that Ron was, like, willing to take a bullet for. Like, I, I, I'm, I can't. Nope. Not getting into it. We're moving on. Um, we're moving on because if <laughs> we start that be, spiral, Bill, no. we are not going no, to stop. Not, I'm should done. Pro- we should probably take a break, I would think. Oh, yeah. I was just going to okay, wrap up and say, oops, take a break. forgot to take a break. But, okay. So, um, yeah, we're going to take a break and be back on the other side. Uh, I don't see this going much longer. This is Advertiser Content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. All right, everybody, we are back, and I just wanted to talk about Ryan Ellis real quick because I've got a little update on the Flyers' new number one defenseman. Turns out... Oh, hello, Steph. I heard... I heard Ryan Ellis is a Philadelphia Flyer. Can you confirm? I have seen his orange beard, and therefore (laughs) can confirm. I've seen his number 94 94 poorly photoshopped jersey on Twitter, so definitely can confirm. First 94 in team history. It is indeed the first 94. Um, What a bad jersey number. I'm sorry I cut you off, but I'm still 
over the fucking moon that Ryan Ellis is a flyer. Like, there's nothing that could happen this week that is going to bring me down from that. <laughs> well, just wait for Chuck's next week. That's not a challenge. <laughs> Looking around. And, and NHL flyers, that is not a challenge. Yeah, uh, so Ellis, we got a little update straight from him. That he was asked about his shoulder injury, and it turns out he never had a shoulder injury. There was no shoulder surgery, allegedly. It was a broken knuckle that kept him out of action last year. Uh, we'd speculated, because all we ever heard was upper body injury. The year before, yeah. he missed the uh, he missed time with the concussion, and we all saw it. It was in the Winter Classic. He got elbowed in the fucking head. Uh, and then it was speculated that he had a bum shoulder, uh, and we even joked last week, like, oh, yeah, him and Tarasenko, we're getting them both. Great. Um, Ellis kind of played stupid and was like, nah, I had a broken knuckle last year. That's what kept me out of action, so... That's not um, – that is really encouraging. I feel like yeah. just looking at potential of injury history and uh, games missed over the last couple of years, like you don't want to miss any games for any reason. But like a shoulder is a thing that it, once you injure your shoulder, it's weaker. Uh, your yeah. knuckle's your fucking knuckle. Like who cares? Yeah. Cut off yeah, your finger. Exactly. Didn't he say he like shattered his he knuckle shattered, or something shattered, that shattered, sounded shattered is the word. much yeah. more painful? Yeah, I can't imagine it, it. was It was fun. Like, yikes yeah yeah I, I mean i did so i don't really know where the shoulder thing came out like where it came from really it just sort of popped up and we all just kind of ran with it because he was you know a nashville player you know it was you know it's not something that like and and in retrospect i should have dug deeper into this because you know i guess i was just like well it's ryan ellis whatever like he might be a flyer but you know chances are they're not going to acquire him um but I did a bunch of digging into this after that press conference. And my understanding is absolutely it's absolutely true that it was not a shoulder. It was never was a shoulder injury. So that's not like right. Ryan Ellis lying, to be clear. Um, basically, it seems like he bro- he shattered the knuckle off of Patrick Lyon's shot in February. Because um, then the other, the other thing was, well, did he have surgery? Because this is where things got weird. So... Ellis said in the press conference he did not have surgery on the knuckle. I believe Karchidi straight up asked him that. However, one of the ways that the shoulder thing got got going was in late March when Ellis was still out of the lineup, John Hines, the Predators head coach, said in a pregame presser, he basically dropped it, that Ellis had just had surgery, so he was going to be out for a bit longer. Um, So it was like, okay, well, did he have surgery? Did he not have surgery? My understanding of what happened is that they discussed him having like a major reconstructive type surgery on the knuckle that was considered. They decided they were not going to go that route, that it would heal on its own, but he did have a small procedure to get like a pin put in. Okay. So technically that is a surgery yeah. because you have to cut open a guy to put a pin in his hand but it was not a major surgery which is probably why ellis was like no i didn't have surgery like i just had a pin but he, he didn't come out and say but like i just had a pin put in my hand like not that big of a deal and on my understanding as well is that he is fine now and he will be fine for camp so no worries on the shattered knuckle front i also believe that because this was legitimately something that was concerning was that he didn't play that well last year. You know, his numbers, numbers through usually through the roof this past year were just kind of meh. They were okay, for, especially for Ryan Ellis. My understanding is that he came back from the shattered knuckle, but, like, he was not himself 
in terms of grip, in terms of basically everything he could do with the puck on his stick. So it makes me feel better about the down year because it makes sense that if you can't fully grip a stick, you're probably not going to be as effective. I was really hoping you were going to say the, sh- the surgery was like he had his tonsils out. Like, that's, that's <laughs> that would have been great. Uh, just yeah, a so, tiny little appendectomy. Yeah, just exactly. Like, I, I know, I, I had my wisdom teeth out. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, technically, yes, I went under anesthesia, but... I'll pay some... But that's what I've understood about the Ellis surgery situation. Yeah, and I do feel better after that press conference because he's n- now knowing that. He's not an injury-prone guy. We had the concussion from Corey Perry, war criminal. Yeah, the cheap shot. Yeah, war and he's a war criminal. Um, and we then all? we had, you know, his knuckle being shattered by a Patrick Line. Like that's a that's a one in a million chance. Like yeah, that's not yeah. something that we necessarily need to be worried about. So the fact Many, that these yeah, are like but... freak injuries. I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, the only one that with it, truthfully, I mean, obviously concussions are always concerning because you have yes. one, you have more. Always. Um, and, and they suck. Um, the only one that was like mildly concerning to me now is the fact, but the, in, I believe it was at the end of, after the playoff run when they went to the final, Ellis had knee surgery. But the thing is, that was years ago, and he's had very good years since. Like that's the only injury I think he's had because I believe that injury that that knee surgery kept him out for like the first twenty five games of the following year. So that was like the other big absence he's had recently. But he came back and was great, and then in the following year he was again great. So you know clearly that knee surgery didn't destroy his effectiveness. So that's a good sign. It is you know yeah. So it, it my understanding, however, is that like. He does get banged up a lot, yeah. But he plays through it, which again reminds you very much of Kimo Timonen. It is fucking incredible. Like he had to have a knee surgery that, and like obviously recovering from surgery, you know, you have to miss time. But it's just wild to me that, like Shea Weber, now his career might be over. He just, but he just played till the Stanley Cup final. Like Ryan Ellis needed to miss twenty five games after recovering from surgery. But yeah, he played through the Stanley Cup final. Like obviously, you know, he wasn't missing that. The shit just continues to boggle my mind. Like the pain tolerance of these dudes is, uh, my God. Like yeah, how? I was told. How I was told about uh about the Ryan Ellis, um, you know the uh, him playing through the knee issue. I was pretty much told that like it was bonkers that he played through that knee issue in the final and was as effective as he was because. It wasn't good. <laughs> All right, so we got uh, we got about 20-ish minutes, 22 minutes until the trade freeze ends. Um, what's our confidence level? How are we feeling? Uh, confidence was high after I Ryan mean, Ellis, and there were more I think rumors stuff's going to happen. Okay. I think stuff's going to happen. I don't think they're done. Um, I don't think they can be done. Even, as I said, just talking about the cap situation, like, they can't be done. They're, they can't, like, this is not pencils down moment for Chuck Fletcher. Like he if he can't build a roster without making at least one more move and have it be a twenty three man cap compliant roster, he just can't do it. I, so yeah. there's going to be more stuff that's going to happen. I like Tyler Pitlick, but the fact that you say it's going to be Calgary makes me happy. 
Like, that's not what we need to be focusing on right now. He's a nice yeah, player. Yeah, that's not the piece that we need. <laughs> that And, like, it's not day one shit. Like, it, that's not today stuff. That's like, oh, what else do we need? Oh, Tyler Pitlick, that would be cool. I don't think it's today stuff. Um, uh, I agree with that. No, the, you know the, what the else one... we need? How about a Braden Holtby? Let's go and get a goal. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, the, the funny thing about Pitlick, if they would have gotten Pitlick, and I, I put this in a group chat last night, that, like, if getting Tyler Pitlick... The funny part about that is that it's just Chuck Fletcher literally saying with his move, sorry, guys, I fucked up. Like, that's all that is. It's like, should have brought back Tyler Pitt. Like, my bad, gang. (laughs) You were right. I was wrong. Let's smooth this over and get it, get moving for the next season. What if I bring in Pitlick and Hartman? Will that fix it all? Yeah, oh, right. I don't want Ryan Hartman again. They, li- I, that they was... like Hartman in Minnesota. I mean, oh, that was really good like for him. one season, but I don't. We don't. That's not what we need. No, no, we need actually good players. But nah, he's fine. Um, all right, all we have left to do is Steph plug that draft party. Let me tell you about this draft party, folks, because what if I told you <laughs> because holy shit, this is probably going to be our best one ever. So. Whether you're anticipating the Flyers picking at 13 or not. I'm going to be actively upset if they do. I still think that they're going to move the pick, which would be really, really fun to happen while you're at our draft party, which is Friday, this Friday, July 23rd, starting at 6 p.m. We will be at Bully's Pub inside Xfinity Live. Um, Show up early. Because come 7 o'clock, 7.30, 7.30, Gritty's coming. <gasps> Gritty <laughs> is coming to our draft party. And he is going to bring with him raffle items. Not Michael Raffle. Not, not Michael Raffle. That would be cool if what we if were raffling off like, Michael Raffle. Like they hunt... <laughs> Like, what if Gritty wasn't a guy in a costume, but, like, a real creature that walked around, and him and Raffle were just boys? Like, they just drank together on the weekends and shit? I could see that, actually. <laughs> like, with, I mean, with well, way too much clarity, I could see that. Well, like, I mean, L- Raffle and Lawton were buddies. Yeah. So it's literally yeah. just, like, at, like, exactly. some dive bar, some dive bar in Philly, it's, like, Scott Lawton, Michael Raffle, Gritty in full costume. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, um... The dream, actually. (laughs) So anyway, Gritty is coming to our draft party, and he's bringing raffle prizes. This is a signed Giroux jersey and four tickets to a Flyers game next season. So we will be raffling those off um, with the proceeds going to Snyder Hockey, as always. Excellent. Um, I don't know how much we're selling the raffle tickets for because I don't remember what we've done in the past, but we'll have that very clearly marked at the event. Um, and these are pretty big ticket take, items, you know. It's not these like are we're big giving away items. rally towels and shit. Like this is these are flyers right. tickets. This isn't this isn't Kelly and I this isn't Kelly and I clearing out our houses yeah. and just giving away flyer stuff. This is legit an autograph Claude Giroux jersey and four a four pack of tickets to a Flyers game. Like this is this is good stuff. Um what was I what was what was next? Uh we're gonna be in Xfinity. It's gonna be indoor outdoor. Um there was something else that I was gonna mention. The raffle tickets. Boys, what was I gonna say? 
I don't know. I don't know. I, I know don't, nothing I, about I'm not, I'm not in your brain, so I do not know what you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, lucky you. Um, <laughs> start, starting at 6 o'clock, Gritty shows up at 7.30, Flyers draft at 13, raffles, indoor, outdoor, please wear your masks. Um, we want everyone to be safe. Like, yes, we want you to have fun. Yes, we want the Flyers to do well. But above all, we want you to be safe and continue to be healthy. Um, so please keep that in mind as you arrive. Um, I think that's it. So gritty giveaways, Snyder hockey, the end, the end. All right. I'm, I, I'm, I'm sad. I'm going to be missing this party because it sounds like it's I'm very sad. You're going to be missing the party. I wish that it was an environment where you could bring your laptop and cover it, but that's not what we have here. Doesn't doesn't seem like it. I do not think it would be easy for me to interview players via Zoom in the middle of Xfinity Live. Probably. Probably. We tried. Work. Um so we tried to get Zoom hookup. Um like if I brought my laptop, if I brought my laptop to hook and if they had a hookup to the TVs and through the audio system, Chuck Fletcher was going to call into the draft party from the draft floor. Oh wow. Ugh. That would have been awesome. But Xfinity Live does not have that capability. Ah, bastards. So, stay tuned. We'll have a one-on-one with Chuck after free agency. All right. Well, that sounds awesome. Uh, It's going to be a great party. I can't wait to be there. Uh, It's going to be a fun time. So, everyone come on out to Xfinity. And that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. And boom! Content delivered to you all the time. Look at all the shit we're bringing you this week. I don't even know what we did. There's so much of it. But there's also a party on Friday. So you know that uh, we're doing it. We're doing the work for you guys. For all of you. And mostly to boost our own egos. Because, you know, why not? Uh, So that's it. My name is Bill Matz. For Steph, for Charlie. Have a great week, everybody.